everyone, and welcome to this second ever community episode of the Mother Kind Podcast, where I hear from you, our listeners, our community, about your highs, your lows, your challenges, and your triumphs, and everything in between in motherhood. Thank you so much for your gorgeous feedback on our first ever episode last week with Amy. So many of you contacted me to say that you love hearing from Amy. You felt seen, you felt validated, less alone and more connected. And that is exactly my intention with this episode. This week, we chat to Kelly. Kelly is a mum of two, and she shares in this episode how challenging she found the transition to motherhood, how perfectionist and critical she was of herself, and how it was only when she connected to her own childhood, to what was going on for her when she was younger, that she was able to transform everything in her motherhood. Kelly is incredibly honest in this episode and I really appreciate how vulnerable she is. Kelly is also really special to Motherkind. I actually coached Kelly a while ago, a few years ago now. She found the experience so transformational that she actually quit her corporate job and retrained as a coach herself. And now Kelly is the first ever Motherkind associate coach, which is really exciting because there's only one of me. And I can only coach so many people. So now having Kelly on board is just really exciting because it means that with Motherkind, we can support more and more mothers, which is our mission. And it always has been, and it always will be. So I hope you love this episode with Kelly. Please do let us know what you thought. Here it is. Well, Kelly, I'm so excited to chat to you. We've known each other a while now. And I think your story is so powerful and it's so inspiring. And I really do think that this is going to be a really special chat. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on literally my favorite podcast. So thank you for having me. Thank you. What have you been up to this morning? What's your day been like? Juggling childcare, if I'm honest. So yeah, doing a bit of that. I've had some coaching clients this morning, which has been quite fun and just enjoying the sunshine because it's finally hot outside. And tell us a bit about you so that people can get a sort of sense of you, where you are, how many kids you've got, what you're up to. So I am a mother of two. I have two children. Uh, My eldest son, Frank, is six and my youngest, Nancy, is 22 months. We live sort of Oxfordshire way basically and I am a coach so I basically work part-time I do a bit of coaching do some freelancing and yeah so looking after my daughter a few days a week as well and yeah just kind of a bit about me. When we first met which was I think about five years ago you're quite different to the person that is in front of me right now. Tell me about what your matrescence was like. How was it for you becoming a mother? What's your motherhood journey been like? That's a good question. It's totally not what I expected it would be. That's for sure. It's been a really up and down journey. I think really my early days of mothering, I really enjoyed. And of course I was sleep deprived and you know the natural things that you kind of get, you know, the standard things you go through in early motherhood. But it was actually only when I returned to work after my son turned eight months that there was a real shift in my experience. 
of motherhood and I went back to work when he was eight months and found myself filled with imposter syndrome, which is something I'd never experienced at work before. I found that balance between, so I went back four days a week, so trying to get my work done in four days a week, still being a high performer, still being a good mother, that juggle, like increasingly difficult. I just felt like I was failing at both. So when I was at home, I was thinking about work. When I was at work, I was thinking about home. And I was just filled with anxiety most days. And I think from that, it just really spiraled. My inner critic grew really loud. And I was just so consumed with such intense anger that I just couldn't explain where this anger had come from. It just sort of gradually grew. And it was something I'd never really experienced. I was always quite a happy-go-lucky, positive, glass-half-full type of person. And it just got worse over time. And behind closed doors, I'd really explode at the smallest things. So I was highly, highly triggered by my son. And I just became irritable, impatient, and a shouty mum, which was actually everything I'd experienced growing up and everything I basically swore I would never be. And here I was, you know, playing out that exact same pattern. Another thing that I was really surprised about is my relationship with my mum really changed. I expected us through motherhood for us to get closer. And actually, our relationship really broke down from my side. You know, she was incredibly hands-on and still is with both my children. She's an amazing grandmother. She's an amazing mother. But I found at that time that I was so triggered by her, I couldn't look her in the eye. I really struggled to be in the same room as her. And all of those emotions led to just so much guilt and shame and overwhelm. I just despised the person that I'd become. And I just didn't recognize who I was. I felt so lost. And I, you know, slipped into depression ultimately. And at the time, I really believed I wasn't good enough for anyone, especially my son, especially my husband. And at my lowest point, I even contemplated not being here. I just thought people would be better off without me ultimately. And the funny thing is that from the outside, no one had any idea that this was going on. Even my closest girlfriends had no idea. And they found out years later you know, I wore this permanent smile on my face. I masked everything that I was feeling. So, you know, all the pictures you put on social looked amazing and family life was wonderful. And how I spoke about parenting was like, no, it's going so well. But yeah, it just got really dark. And I vividly remember my husband discovering me. I had my bedroom floor moment is what I call it. I know uh, Donna Lancaster had her bathroom floor moment and I'm sure lots of women have experienced the same thing. But I remember he discovered me on our bedroom floor and I was literally just curled up in tears, just repeatedly saying, you know, I don't want to be like this and I don't want to be here. It was such a horrible time for all of us, you know, for me, for my husband. We didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to help me or how to support me. I guess Frank didn't know any different, but I hated how I was being with him. It was also at that point that I had a miscarriage after a year of trying for our second child. And If I'm really honest, I think deep down there was a real sense of relief. Even though I was sad about the miscarriage, I knew that I was actually quite terrified about the prospect of having another child because I felt so ill-equipped. I felt so full of fear and 
I felt like I was failing at motherhood anyways. And then to try and bring another child in the mix just didn't seem fair. But I also knew I was never going to fall pregnant without moving through what I was going through. I just instinctively knew it was never going to happen unless I could work through all of that pain and anger. You know, that was really my rock bottom. And I knew at that point that I had to get help for myself. I had to do something for the sake of my relationship and my son and and I think ultimately myself, really. I think there's so much bravery in sharing what you have. And I can hear so much, you know, like you said, you know, painting that smile on to now be here talking about it. I can hear so much sort of healing and so much light in a way. I think when we can bring the darkness and the sadness and the horrible things to the light, when we can talk about them, I think it's such a powerful thing, isn't it? So thank you for sharing all of that. I think it's really brave. And I know that so many people listening to this, I know I relate to that bedroom floor moment. And I didn't have that rage actually in the same way as you did. I had almost a turning in on myself, like that critic that you were describing was so loud. But I can imagine how scary that was, particularly that promise that you'd made to yourself that you weren't going to be like this. And then to find yourself there, it's no wonder you then started feeling resentful towards your mother. That makes sense, doesn't it? Totally. And I think that you go into this vicious cycle of like, I don't want to be like this because this is what I experienced and it was horrible. How am I now behaving so? But I almost couldn't stop myself from doing it. And then you have this intense guilt because I kind of felt like, do I just need to accept that motherhood doesn't suit me? This is just the person I've grown into. Is that what I need to do? Just accept this is now the woman I've grown into. And that felt scarier than anything else to just accept this is who I am. So when you said, you know, you hit that rock bottom, what next? What did you do to start to climb back towards the light? Do you know my next step was reaching out to you ultimately? I had been listening to the podcast for a while, actually at that point, probably for about a year or so at this point, because we were what was this towards the end of 2019? Yeah, you must have had your podcast for a little while by then. And funny enough, my friend Caroline had said to me, had introduced me to the podcast. She was like, you need to listen to this podcast. Zoe talks about everything in motherhood that you actually go through. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. So I'd been listening to the podcast for a while. And, and I think your episodes, and they still do, seem to land at exactly the moment I needed to hear that message or that bit of advice. And I felt really seen. I felt less crazy. Can I say that? Um, like it just felt more normal. I think, you know, there are lots of things that came up that kind of normalized and confirmed that what I was feeling, it was actually quite normal in motherhood, which was really helpful. So I think when I knew, right, I need to go and do something about this. I knew instinctively that I wanted to work with you because I just knew you would get it because of all the episodes that you had done because of all the wisdom that you were bringing to those episodes as well. You know, and I've been following you on social. I knew that you were the person I wanted to work with. And ironically, the catalyst to me getting in contact with you was your solo episode about perfectionism because I hadn't realized until listening to that that what I was experiencing was a deep sense of my strategy for coping was loads of control, trying to control everything and being perfect at work and being perfect in social situations, being perfect with my son. It was that, that I was like, oh my God, 
there was that episode that I got in touch with you about working with you. I think to some extent that high achieving, like perfectionist pre-motherhood, it's not that it was serving me, it's that I could cope around it. You know what I mean? I could pull an all-nighter to do something perfectly at work and because then I could sleep in on the weekend. I really see this, that your experience is really common, is that then we throw motherhood and caring responsibilities and exhaustion into that behavior, it can really quickly escalate. And that's what you're experiencing because you cannot operate at that level with sleep deprivation, with the hormonal shifts, going through matrescence, but you might not even know that you were going through it at the time. Do you know what I mean? No. That's why I feel so passionate about perfectionism. And, and that was the first course that I ever put out there because it really can drive us to the ground. But it's like, well, that's the only thing that I've known how to do. You know, like me, I'd been being perfect since I was really young or trying to be. I don't know what else to do. Like you need then to learn the other ways. What are some of the things that you've learned that have helped you? Because you've made massive transition from that place, you know, that bedroom floor to who I'm talking now is almost night and day. What have been some of the big things that you've done that have helped that? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash motherkind. Well, I think if I can, like just talk a little bit about the work that you and I did together, because that really, I mean, that was a huge step into the right direction of me going on this journey of self-discovery and my healing journey, because that's really how I see it. But I feel like together, we really unpacked my limiting beliefs that I had about not being good enough. That was the cause of all the symptoms that were coming out, you know, like my control and everything else. That was the deeply embedded limiting belief that I had is that I am not good enough. And I learned that my deep need to control and the pressure that I was putting on myself, I wasn't getting this pressure from work. I wasn't getting this pressure from my husband or my friends or anything else, but I was putting pressure on myself to be this perfect parent, this perfect woman. And, you know, you really taught me really valuable tools and strategies to let go of that control. And even testing me sometimes, like, you know, how would it feel if you just let go of that control? And I remember when you first said that to me, I physically felt different. Like I felt like I relaxed and, you know, you taught me tools about how to quieten my inner critic, kind of challenge it. You start to think your inner critic is you. You don't separate it. That was a real learning for me. All of those tools, journaling was a huge one and something I still use every day. It has been the most powerful tool I've ever experienced and allowed me to connect more with myself and 
I just shifted into more healthier coping strategies like journaling, like the gratitude, really simple tools. I think people think, gosh, you know, you need to make these really big gestures in order to see big change. But I kind of think the smaller they are, the more simple they are, the bigger change you see. And then after you and I worked together, I worked with an inner child therapist, which was just profound. And through that really deep inner work, I discovered that the reason I was getting so triggered by my son and feeling that intense anger was all because, you know, I had all of this unprocessed childhood trauma and I was taught how to then process that trauma and reparent my inner child, which allowed me to kind of let go of that anger. You know, the biggest thing around that was really, and I think I heard this in one of your episodes with Gabor Mata, where he talked about, you know, hurt people hurt people. I wasn't a bad person because of the way that I was being. And equally, my mom wasn't when I was growing up for behaving the way that she was. So it gave me a lot of empathy for myself and for my mom, because when we're in pain and we are living in fear, we behave in ways to protect ourselves, whether that's outbursts of anger or whether that's depression or addiction. They come out in so many different ways. And I think that really helped me to have so much more empathy towards myself and love and compassion, you know, for myself first and foremost, but it also helped me to have that towards my mum. So those barriers started to break down where I started to realize her behavior was through fear. You know, my dad died when I was nine through suicide and my mom was 37 at the time, which is the same age I am now. And she was left with two young girls to bring up. And of course she was living in pain, confusion, fear, I don't think anyone's taught to deal with that level of emotion ever. Even if you were taught to manage your emotions growing up, you can't fathom that. And then on top of that, she was helping two grieving girls. You know, you can't imagine that. And I think it helped me see all of that. And everything seemed to just soften, I don't know, like through all of this release and the triggers from my son, they just stopped as I processed. I worked with that therapist for nine months. It wasn't easy work, but, you know, I very, very rarely get triggered now, if ever. And if I do, then I'm fully equipped with what to do with those triggers. And for me, my response to triggers is always anger. It may be different for other people. So I often beat the bed. That was one of the most powerful tools I learned from her because when I did feel triggered, I think a lot of people were like, just breathe through it. And I'm like, I don't want to breathe through it. It calms me down for a second, but I still have this intense anger inside my body and I need to get it out. So her giving me kind of permission to go and beat your bed, not obviously in front of your son, I used to walk away, beat the bed, scream into the pillow. It just was transformational. And then I started doing with everything. And if I road rage, I'd come home and do it. (laughs) And it was like this anger just needed to get out of my body. And through that work, I feel like it's completely dissolved. And don't get me wrong, life is life. I'm still going through things. I'm still learning through so much parenting. And I'm quite intrigued to see what triggers will come up when, you know, Frank turns nine, for instance, that was when my dad died, what will come up for me then? And I think so much of that happens at certain ages that reflect your own childhood. But I view it as a with a lens of curiosity now, as opposed to, oh, I'm really scared about what will come out of that. I feel more curious about it. So I think all in all, 
everything that I went through and the work that I did on myself, because I think that's so important is I had to do the work myself. You know, you guided me and supported me. This inner child therapist gave me tools as did you, but it's one thing having the tools, you've got to use them, right? You've got to actually use them in your life for them to really work. And I think all of the work that I've done on myself unlocked so much love and kindness and self-compassion. And that helped me to fill that void that I've experienced during that really dark time. You know, the best part of all of that is that because I was able to treat myself that way, I was able to give that to my son and be the mother I wanted to be. It changed my life. I can hear the compassion in your voice because when, you know, when we first met, there was very little self-compassion and to hear that now is just completely beautiful and then to hear like the impact on the next generation is just to me there's nothing more important it's nothing more important it's really beautiful and your story is so it might not be the same as you know many people's there's lots of big traumas in your you know you talked about your dad and you know and your mum but I think so many people relate to that anger and needing to get that out and it's the same as we say with the kids isn't it like get your anger out punch a pillow it's like so I think we just forget to do that for ourselves as well you mentioned journaling you mentioned anger release work what are some of the other things that you still do today I know you're really committed to this you're really committed to your joy and your freedom and your empowerment what are some of the other things that you just really want people to know works for you before we close This is probably just a really quick, easy technique that I use. And I shared it with someone yesterday, actually. But when I'm in a state of control, because I still have moments of those where my default is to kind of like, oh, I need to control the situation to feel safe, depending on what's going on in my life. And I'll often pause and ask myself this really simple question. Am I swimming upstream or am I flowing downstream? And it's just a break that allows me to make a decision. So for example, you know, if my son comes out from school and he wants to go into, they have like a forest at their school they run into, but I know I've got to go and fetch Nancy from nursery. I don't have to rush off straight away, but sometimes I'm like, nope, we need to get in the car. We've got to go, you know, everything else. And I think in that moment I go, okay, I could resist this and I could swim upstream or let Frank play for five, 10 minutes. We're not in any rush. That's fine. And I just feel my whole body relax because it's not a big deal. He can play. And the cost of resisting it is more on me than anybody else. So that's probably just a really quick initial tool to share with people who if they're if they're in, in a place of control, I feel like that's something that's really powerful, really simple, but really powerful. It's really beautiful. And I can imagine using that in the moment and how helpful it is it's almost like one that I say which is like what's the least stressful choice right here it's just to let him play for five minutes you know do you know what I mean I think that all the time like what is the least like I'm stood in front of the fridge I'm like what's the least stressful choice I'm just gonna put in some chicken nuggets tonight because I'm tired that idea is just so powerful because otherwise we can find ourselves constantly just adding these micro stresses and there's opportunity for that every single turn, isn't there? It's just like- totally. Yeah. I totally relate on what you said about the dinner thing as well is sometimes just making the easier choice for yourself. You know, your kids have chicken nuggets, but it means that they've got a calmer 
parent who's not stressing, then it's just the obvious choice. But it is getting into a habit of doing that and just having compassion with yourself. And that does take time. And it takes knowing a little bit of that perfectionist tendency. Like once you've got awareness of it, I think that's the chink in the armor that you need. Like, oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to make this perfect. And this yeah. Movie. I know you very well and we work together now and, and, you know, we're close, but it's just really beautiful to hear you in this forum, like in this format, speaking your story to our community and, you know, and you're a much loved part of the mother kind community. So thank you. And I'm going to ask you the final question, which you would have heard answered hundreds of times probably, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? I've thought about this long and hard. And actually, again, I think it comes back to simplicity. If I could give one gift to all the mothers, I would tell them that they are doing a fantastic job raising their families. And the reason that I've chosen that is because, you know, motherhood is undeniably the toughest thing I've personally ever done. And for most women that I speak to, they would agree with that. And I think, you know, let's face it, it is also a pretty thankless role, both for my children, but it, you know, it doesn't have any rewards. It doesn't have any pay rises. And sadly in our society, it's a really undervalued and such an unrecognized role. So we really, if ever, get praise for all of the hard work and the love and the energy that we are putting into the next generation. So yes, that would be my gift to all mothers, a bit of praise and recognition beautiful well thank you so much and as I mentioned you know Kelly we've known each other a long time Kelly as a result of all the inner work that she's done went off and did coach training and a couple of other amazing trainings as well and and now is our first associate coach on Motherkind so you can work with Kelly and all the details are on our website if you want to take a look and connect with Kelly I know she'd be she'd be really happy to connect with any of our community. So thank you, Kelly. And thank you everyone for listening and for being here. I'll see you next time. So that was the community episode with Kelly. What did you think? Let us know. And if you want to share your story, email Angie at motherkind.co and we will get back to you. Just a reminder, I'll see you on Monday for our short clip, our moment episode, Thursday for our in-depth interview with an expert and back here on Friday for our community episode. And if you want to support the podcast, help us keep creating all this incredible content, then you can now subscribe if you listen on Apple Podcasts for just $3.99 a month, which also means that you get every single podcast ad free. I'll see you next time. 